The Youthscape Podcast. Baby, you're firework. Welcome to the Youthscape Podcast on the eve of bonfire night and fireworks. So I just thought I'd bring in a little song that I wrote there, a little ditty there, that is not a rip of anyone else's song. We don't need to get any permission to show that. Wow. So, Martin. You're that, a firework. That was beautiful. I live now not very far from Blackpool. Oh, yes. And the beauty of living near Blackpool is that it's like it's like fireworks day all year round. Right. Like anytime you go to Blackpool, the moment it begins to get vaguely dusk-like, it's like the city goes, oh, 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 it's, oh, oh, what can we do? Well, we can love some fireworks. There's just fireworks everywhere. And the trams have lights all over them and the kids suddenly produce all these crazy little light things. So I feel like I'm living, I'm living in perpetual fireworks. Do you like fireworks? I I absolutely love fireworks. I love them. Are they? Is there, is there, you're not going to hit me with an environmental thing. Well, I just there. wondered. I'm sure, there is some environmental thing. Is there environmental damage I'm from sure fireworks? There is. I'm I imagine sure it's really bad. It. Well, not just the pets. Yeah. Like the ozone layer. <laughs> I'm but sure also, um, I've just had a statistic from producer Rachel. Oh, you can't back up your rebuke with evidence. Okay, listen to this. <laughs> A power station that burns, that gets its energy from burning waste, uh-huh, okay. produces the same amount of noxious gases in a year as 15 minutes of fireworks. Ah, ah! That is like literally every day at Blackpool. That's 15 minutes. So I worth feel of like I feel like I, I've had one of those moments, like I've watched that no. cow documentary that I'm not going to watch. Right. <laughs> The, um, the, I can't do fireworks anymore now. Well, what does that mean for church outreach? Because don't most churches around this time of year, a li- bare minimum is like sparklers and hot chocolate and some marshmallows. Like, if they're pushing the boat out, there's a Catherine wheel. And if they eat, if they really love Jesus and their community, there's a few, like, they're really big bangers. What does that mean now? Does this, does this come back to your love of church youth group snogging? Is that what it's all off, about? Off air, I was like, it's fireworks. Like, this is like the rite of passage, isn't it? Because it, like, you might not be doing it so much in urban settings, although I, I've always have had fireworks in, in, uh, and bonfires in London. But there's always some kind of like gathering around fire in the dark. And there's always some kind of rite of passage, early snogs, first snogs. I, um, when, I was, snog. when I was 14, I fell, I fell hard for uh, Joe Cook. Still remember, oh. Joe Cook, her name was. And uh, I, on bonfire night, I I plucked up the courage to to uh, to ask her because it was dark yeah. on the edges because there was a fire and you had been watching the fire. Yeah. And do you know what happened? Oh, what happened? She, she said, said no, no, I don't want to kiss you. Oh, and then that's she very, that's very good about consent. And then consent. then she left the youth group forever immediately. <laughs> and then she left the school that she attended and the town she lived in. And <laughs> I've never seen her since. And. In this, in this, up to that point, she'd been a regular attender at our youth group for like two years. How did you ask her? Did you did you say, please? I'd like to give you. I a said, kiss. I really, um, I, I, I know you're going to say no to this, but um, I really like you, and I wondered because it's. Uh, I wonder oh, if I could kiss you. Oh, we have to like really applaud the kind of seeking for please. consent. Please, please, could I? I know the answer's no, but could I? My, my, and I know people know who've listened to the podcast. My first kiss story was around a bonfire. Mouth got mm. very, very dry. We had a kiss. He said to me, "Oh, it's like kissing a sock." Oh, took me at least ten minutes to recover from that one and kiss somebody else. But yeah, no, terrible, terrible, terrible. So we were losers as teenagers. We're still we're losers then and we're losers now. Yeah. So we've decided we can't 
use fireworks yes, anymore. Yes, right. So that's scrap that off. Do you, what yeah. other fun nighttime activities can you do with young people? <laughs> I've got one. We do street passes, actually. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. So they don't take under 18, so we sneak them in. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but I think night, nighttime stuff. I think I might have talked about this before in the last two years, but okay. um, I'm a great believer in the all-night hike. Oh, like proper walking. Taking young people on a long walk all night long. Sounds With terrible. plenty of appropriate adults. Sounds terrible. And pit stops on the way. But I did it two or three times as a teenager. And off. it was formational for yeah. me in the development of my, I don't know, relational abilities and, and, and getting to know people from other slightly different generations to me. And, you know, the bonding of a youth group. Like one of the hardest things and one of the best things you can do in a youth group is is to try to get the 18-year-olds mm. to take some care and responsibility for the 14-year-olds mm -hmm. and, and for those groups all to, you know, appropriately uh, develop a friendship across those mini-generational divides. Mm. Um, and actually something like that, like an all-night activity like that, where you go and you do some kind of great mm. endeavour together, can really foster that. The other oh. thing is food. Yes, you just do food instead. Food. But I think, I, I do think the night time is a different headspace, isn't it? And I think some of the best youth work does happen. So where, where we are, um, we have a graveyard around the church and we're right right in the city centre so it is like the red light district and it is the nightclub strip outside us. So Don't take young people have, there. No, no, but they're, they're also sitting around the church and it's the most beautiful conversations that happen mm. late at night because there's something about being sat in the dark, mm. isn't there? There yeah. is. Like you yeah. just, you're prepared to have different conversations. Absolutely. Um, about, yeah, about big stuff. But I, I, I joked about the street passes stuff. We have an, an amazing street passes team in Preston. But it is about, I think, helping young people see that they can contribute to the kind of the well-being of the city and the homeless community that we have. And that, that has been really interesting for us, taking young people mm. in that space. More of that now, to come. Now, today, yes. we've been talking about fireworks. Yes. We've decided that they're old and out of date. In, within this podcast, and we scrapped that. on that theme... Today's guest <laughs> is a firework of a man, isn't he? Uh, we're going to meet in a second. Illustrious leader. It's Chris Curtis. Baby, I'm a firework. The Youth Skype Podcast. So we have such an important guest that we actually took this guest out for lunch. He actually paid but we took this lovely guest out for lunch and before we properly interview you Chris would you like to share a story about what happened to Martin I'd love to Could yes and by the way I took you out to lunch and paid yeah, yeah that's just, what I said just, no you didn't did you I said, said you I just want the facts to be straight okay that's all I I'm meant saying. to say anyway. we took him out and he actually paid but anyway thank you for lunch Ma thank Martin you. um <laughs> In, a, in trying, to, I think, to make an impression. He was trying to be the man he was made to be. Ordered the hottest pizza <laughs> uh, with peppers on it that he could. Egged and then, on by the waitress. And then, who's telling this story? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, uh, and then, uh, yes, she, she offered even hotter peppers, which was basically sort of red rag to a bull in many ways. Um, and so he ordered this super hot thing, very confident. And we were chatting away and we hadn't realised he'd taken the first bite. And I looked up just to see this face of a man who is sweating through every gland in his body, whose eyes were slightly bulging and was silent. And uh, in that moment, I can't tell you how happy I was to see that. He looked quite defeated at Mouthful One. But it didn't defeat him, did it, Martin? I, off I said, why don't you scrape the hot bits off? 
Well, what did you do? Because the problem is, I'd gone for the whole bravado thing beforehand, and so I'd said, "Don't worry." I think I said, "Don't worry, that's no problem for me." When she asked me if I wanted the hotter peppers, that's no problem for me. <laughs> and so she did. And when it arrived, it, it, I don't know if you saw, it was like loaded it with was, three really. different types of Jalapenos. of chilies. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's, uh, that looks like more, like, I can't really see any pepperoni on that. But listen, you know us well, and we love you, and you know that. So if you're like that with us who know you well, I dread to think what you're like with people that you're trying to impress. I mean, like, you must get in all sorts of scrapes. So that that's, um, that's my Everest, you know. That, I mean, I'm not going to climb a mountain, but I'll, I'll finish <laughs> that Alpino <laughs> pizza. Pizza, that medium-sized portion of pizza. It's not even the first time it's happened to me. So <laughs> The other time it happened to me was one of the most potentially important nights of my life I had dinner with a bunch of people you, you know my aforementioned failed Hollywood screenwriting career story Claxon yes. uh, so when I um, when I was in uh, LA about 10 years ago I got to have dinner with a bunch of people including Steven Spielberg's PA what? Steven Spielberg's <laughs> PA now that sounds like she's just like you know, the woman who types the letters and things. It turns out Steven Spielberg's PA is like the most influential, important person in Hollywood because she runs Steven Spielberg's mm, diary. Of course she does. At the time, you know, if, if she took a liking to you, and you, yeah. you could get a meeting. This isn't going to end well, is at it? Dream, well, I'm well, still here. here, isn't it? <laughs> you get a meeting at DreamWorks. Yeah. And so we went to this sushi restaurant. I was like, oh, sushi, I can do sushi, that's fine. And, but it was like sushi and Japanese oh, your gut, your fusion. Gut. Yes. And so, and I know, anyway, oh. remember we're in California, and, uh, and one of the dishes was this like jalapeno roll. And I was like, oh, that sounds fine, because I've had like Domino's pizza, right? So I've had a jalapeno peppers. Turns out that the jalapeno peppers in, in like Surrey, and the jalapeno peppers in California. near Mexico <laughs> are of different heat. And so I, I literally just took one bite of this thing. And everything. I was sweating. I went bright red. I was drinking everything I could. Nothing would make it better. Literally felt like someone had lit a fire inside my face. It was like impossible to keep it together. And then we ate that, and it hurt for like half an hour, and it didn't relent. Yes. There was nothing I could do. And then they come with dessert, right? And the dessert comes, you're really enjoying this. There's a sniggering going on here, which I don't enjoy. It doesn't become you, Christopher. And, um, and so, so they, they come out with these ice creams. I'm like, ice cream, that's my salvation. I ordered ice cream. The flipping portion of ice cream, it is like the size of like two tiny golf balls. Like... That's all you oh, get. Like that's your ice cream. Out. So I'm trying to make this somehow like soothe my tongue, and it did sort of work, but there just wasn't enough. And all and the so, time this is happening, you're not selling yourself. No, great, because so all the energy. Anyway. Oh my! So, so my, my tongue is still on fire. Such a big The only other person on the table who has ordered ice cream is Steven Spielberg's PA, what? and I'm like, right, there's nothing else for it. I'm gonna have to ask for a dessert. So <gasps> I did. I ate her dessert. And uh, yeah, still work at Youthscape ten years later. <laughs> oh, brilliant! You can eat our desserts anytime, anytime. Well, Chris, it's really good to have you, and for you to pull that story out of Martin, that was masterful. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. So we dragged you up here. You didn't really know why we dragged you for an interview, but it is to talk to us about something that is extremely exciting 
in helping everyday churches, local churches, get youth ministry going and growing in their churches. And this is a fairly new thing for us at Youthscape, isn't it? Thinking, it sure is. How can we help with that? So do you want to give us a little bit of history and tell us a bit about this project? So over to you. Well, divide divide all the churches in the country, if you like, into into two groups. There's a group who are working with young people, and there's a group who aren't. And uh, the group who are absolutely need all kinds of resources and support and help. It may be that they want to get more out into the community. They may need to think more about how they disciple the young people they've got. All of that. So we do that. Lots of other people do that. But think also about the group of churches that aren't working with young people. That's a number. And by the way, that isn't a 50-50 split. Mm -hmm. That's the majority of churches Mm -hmm. in the country right now. The majority are not working with young people. So if we as the church are going to, in the next 10 years, be bold and bright and courageous in the way we are imagining youth work, then we have got to increase the number of churches doing youth work not just improve those that are we've got to actually change the numbers that feel confident to engage and so launchpad came out of um some thinking around that saying okay how do you start a church going often not not for the first time maybe going back into youth ministry because i think because of the decline for some churches they may know that they may have in their church that 10, 15, 20 years ago there was a youth group, there isn't a youth group anymore. So how do you get them back? And what we figured was where you start in that journey, that's not an easy journey, it's not an overnight journey, but you start with the church leadership. And you start with them because um, if you've just got some, uh, I say just, if you've got some keen volunteers who say to the minister, can we start a youth group? Every minister worth their salt surely says, yeah, sure, fantastic, a volunteer who wants to do something. But do they really as a leadership kind of buy into it? Often they don't. So when that volunteer moves on or finishes or heads somewhere else, then the youth group just dies again. So the church, the leadership have to figure out that youth ministry is important. And this course is about helping ministers, church leaders, absolutely land in their heads the centrality of working with youth ministry of working with young people sorry and and that's not a a given is it that that ministers would be switched on to the importance of youth ministry it is not a given for a whole range of reasons one in many many denominations if you're being trained going through ministerial training lots of denominations you will blink at youth ministry in passing I mean literally Mm. in three years you might spend I'm not exaggerating half a day Mm. thinking about the entirety of what a church might do with young people Mm. that's ridiculous but also um, if you're a minister it's hard work you are already doing a million things Mm. you're figuring out how to fix things you've got people complaining about the sermon that you did on Sunday Mm. and the fact that you you know, have let cats into the church or, you know, whatever crime, you know, they're right there emailing angry emails to you. You're figuring, you're trying to organise the small groups. Every time you find someone to run the small groups, they move away. You know, all that real stuff of running a church. So to have, on top of all of that, to have the energy and the vision on top of that to say, oh, and as well as that, let's start working with young people, which we're not at the moment. That's, that takes a lot. And actually, what the, one of the things the course does is it just breaks open a bit of space mm. in a minister's life to think about that. 
Because once they've thought about it, and once they hear, and once that quite intimidating idea of starting mm. youth work mm. helps getting, uh, it's it sort of narrowed down to some mm. real strategies with a bit of space to think about it, pretty soon they get pretty excited. So you've run a few of these now. So you've seen a few sort of cohorts of church leaders arriving, session one, thinking this is something I should really come to. I'm not sure that I really want to, but they stay the course. Could you let us in a little bit? What are some of the barriers that you've discovered that church leaders find? So you've got the cats coming to church and people writing emails, the kind of external barriers. What have you come across as some of the internal barriers that church leaders find? What are some of their fears and hesitations around getting youth ministry going and growing? I think um, if you're starting youth ministry, one of the problems is you just, that's, it's very hard if you're not doing it to imagine what it is. And what they probably actually have an instinct is, it's not the youth ministry they themselves experienced as a teenager. So they kind of, they kind of know that, oh, can't, surely it can't possibly be exactly how I did youth ministry, I received youth ministry when I was a teenager. And they're right. Uh, the principles remain the same, love, acceptance, safe space, but the mechanism surely in 2019 has to have changed. But um, they were thinking beyond that and saying, well, if not that, then what? You just get stuck, because what, what, what is it? If it's not the youth group that I grew up in, then what is it? And so one of the barriers is just um, not even knowing what's, what's possible. And so one of the things the course does is start to lay out you know, it could look like this. And here's a church that did it this way. And in fact, I think over the course of the, the program, we probably go in depth into about 15 or 16 very different styles and models of youth work. And, uh, and most of the time, one of those adapted in some way will feel like they'll, they'll see it. And they go, yeah, that, that's exactly what I've seen it. And they recognize it and they sort of make friends with it. And go, this is what we're gonna do. And they get a bit of fire in their belly. Um, so we're not training the youth ministry team. We're only, you know, this is only first stage. The, the program doesn't train your volunteers to do the project. What it does is it helps the minister and the church leadership not only get the confidence, but the vision and a bit of impetus to say, right, let's do this. And it's not as difficult as we thought. Now, I just want to push a little bit on something you, you said uh, a moment ago about ministerial training uh, and formation. So um, you're saying that in, in maybe three years at uh, Vicar Factory uh, or other versions are available, but a theological college, you, you're seriously saying that, uh, that, that ministers might get half a day of input on youth ministry. That feels, I put it to you that that's false. <laughs> I put it to you that it's a scandalous lie because surely, I mean, I, mean, I don't really think that because I know it's true, but, but surely that that can't be right and that can't be how it stays well it yeah i mean go if you're listening to this go uh talk to a local vicar or church leader and ask them what training mm. they received and unfortunately that is the story you'll tell now it is true to just row back a little bit you know if you are studying um counseling and pastoral skills maybe there are some skills that are applicable to everyone you're working mm -hmm. with but um are you learning how to work how a church can engage and work with young people. No, you're not, you're not. And I think, I think that is a scandal. Mm -hmm. And I think if, uh, 
if if as a church leader you 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 have to come out of training surely not just with a, a innate and deep profound knowledge of greek mm. and how to read the new testament which is you know, not a bad thing or some theological understanding but you have to have thought about what practical mm. strategies look like for ministry of all ages and that's not to say you the vicar has to do it you may end up doing it um but Think my, my, what, what I think has been important for me to realise about Launchpad is um, if the church leadership does not really buy into it, mm. even with a keen volunteer, these yeah. things will come and go. It's changing that mindset at the very sort of focus of leadership in the church yeah. that matters. And uh, and so, yeah, Martin, I think that the truth is you, you come out and you, you have not received any training. You, you might have been to youth work you know you've been to youth work yourself maybe as a teenager um, maybe and it's a sore point you you've um, dabbled in a bit of youth ministry and decided to go into uh, paid ministry in which case you'll know a bit more mm-hmm. um, but for the majority you you just look at this thing youth ministry you're like well what and mm. that, I think the, by giving people concrete ideas about what youth ministry mm. looks like what you're one of the things you're doing is taking this big scary therefore I will never go near it mm. thing and you're making it feel very tangible and approachable yeah. I couldn't do youth ministry but wait a minute I could yeah. start a group that looked like that yeah. after mm. school mm. and that's a different conversation yeah. and I guess if you want to throw back a little bit to the, the theological colleges and the training centres as well as no uh, youth work sort of input, also that sense of managing a team, isn't it? Like how do you, if you had staff on your team, like how much training is there around that? And that feeds into this wider crisis as well, doesn't it? Can I ask you another question about these lovely leaders that come on the courses then? So they stick it out because they get something from it. What, what would you say are the main things that these church leaders... What is, what is the main wake-up? What is, what is it they wake up to? What do they get from this course? Because I'm sure they go on endless courses. It's like, you have to do safeguarding, you have to do this. So what's different about this? What do they get Well, yeah, this? and I should say this course has, uh, as it exists now, has been piloted um, really in partnership with the youth and children's team at the Diocese of London, who've been totally amazing mm. in, in getting us involved in this and giving us the space to develop this. Um, and they... Uh, at the end of this course, crucially, as this finishes and all of these youth, uh, these vicars are are inspired, they're there to say, let's help you with the next step, which is, by the way, crucial. And the course doesn't do that on its, on its own. I think what ministers get is, um, first of all, they, 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 they get space to think about it. Um, uh, and I think, in truth, in ministers' lives, they are so busy that... Uh, having the chance to come every this normally we we have lunch together we have two or three hours together every other week to have that space Mm. is really powerful so they get that they also get i think um a sense that somebody is really interested in helping them start something a lot of the vicars that i've met um are amazing people working with unbelievably few resources against huge challenges then most, and in this case, in, in, I'm thinking of the Church of England, I think it's probably more widely true than that. There are churches where there's a church office and there are some administrators and the worship leader and the full-time youth worker and the um, you know, yeah. custodian of the building. The majority of churches are not like that. 
the, the vicar is working out of the vicarage. There is no other resource, paid resource. They are working solo in a very pioneering way. And it's not surprising that um, they, they feel like youth ministry feels like, you know, my goodness, I'm trying to do everything I'm already doing. You want to give me a new thing that I probably going to have to do? So the, and the last thing I think it gives them is, and you, you kind of hinted at it in, in your intro there, is I think many of them feel, um, I've heard this lots, I'd love to do this, but who's going to do it? You know, I already do everything, nearly everything in, in the church. Um, so you're just giving me actually another thing that I'm going to have to launch because I look around this church and I can't see any youth work volunteers. I can't get anyone to volunteer for anything. And although I'm not going to pretend to you that it's easy, one of the things the course does is it punches that lie. Um, because uh, that is not always the case. It's not often the case. Yeah. And I think what we found is that, first of all, people sign up to vision. Mm. So, you know, churches that stand up, uh, I was in one recently that, that say, um, our youth ministry is going to close if there aren't any more volunteers. This is your last warning. Mm. One of you parents <laughs> must volunteer. I've heard those notices. Oh. The, 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 the engage yes. Jesus group will close in two Sundays time. We have warned you of this. Yeah. You, know, the, you know, people don't often sign up to that. No. But where there's vision... Mm then Invitation. people come yeah. out the woodwork mm. and I think um, so a lot of ministers will say there's nobody even if we even if I get a strategy mm. I've got no one who can implement it and what I one of our jobs I think is to take them back into their mm. church and say actually it's I'm not saying there's going to be thousands of people but there mm. are maybe people and you just haven't seen them and they haven't caught the vision and your job is to sell the vision and that's one of the things we come up up again and again as we try to convince more people to join this much needed army of volunteers and youth ministry is this idea that those that don't maybe know youth ministry well have this set idea that you have to look a certain way that you have to have a certain cultural mm. understanding you have to have a, a vocabulary a language register uh, so that you can talk young person you have to be playing Fortnite. you have to watch love island you have to listen to the right music and all that sort of thing and actually that that's not true at all we all know that's not true but people don't know that's not true yeah. Pe people don't realize you know so so in these churches you're talking about where there is no youth work, there's no frame of reference for youth ministers or youth leaders mm -hmm. the assumption just lives on that that's what somebody who does youth work is like and and so the people in the the very people that you could recruit in your congregation uh, are, are there all along just believing the lie that it's not for them because they absolutely. couldn't possibly do that yeah, absolutely. absolutely and people where there's a vision and where there's something worth doing people jump in we are all busy but we're all busy watching Netflix, yeah, that's you it. know? So um, when people see something worth getting involved in, yeah. there is space in people's weeks to get involved in mm -hmm. work with young people. It's just gotta be more important to them than yeah. the latest Netflix thing that they're watching. Mm -hmm. And so helping ministers, comp again and again, we I think we come back to this. We Not only do we have to give the church as a whole some ways to work with young people, mm -hmm. we have to give them the confidence mm -hmm. to to realise again, we can work with mm. young people. And when that happens, things really get, get going. Can I ask you, um, sort of pull back now from Launchpad a bit, and, and to speak into the wider youth ministry setting, because listening to you, you're so passionate about this. And I know for you and for us, everyone listening, this is not just about helping a few churches that want to do a nice bit of work with young people. It's, it, there's something 
more profoundly urgent about it. There's something of a wider mission at stake that actually if churches are not connecting with young people, where will these churches be in 20, 30, 40 years' time? I mean, there's a kind of a stark reality there, isn't there? So when you look back at the whole of the UK, what, what are some of the biggest challenges do you think facing us? So survivors sort of lay down their stuff, other groups are jumping into the space, it's going to have to innovate new ideas, how to connect with this generation. What are some of the things that you see, Chris, from your vantage point that the church is going to need to get a handle on to really be able to reach a disciple of this generation in the next few years? Wow. Uh, Sorry. Well, I mean... There's a single question there. Yeah. Uh, So let's name check a couple of things we've already said. First of all, we've got to find our confidence again. And I also mean in that confidence that Christian faith has something to say to young people today. You know, we've actually got to remember this faith, which transformed us Mm. in the 70s. Uh, This faith, this same faith, has something to say to young people that is life-changing. Uh, that It is obvious, but it's not obvious because we, it gets covered over and we forget it, and I forget it and lose sight of that. So let's remember we've got something vital and important and powerful and life-changing to say. Um, I think um, we have just got to accept that we are living in an era where there is just massive change on every front. And of course, the world has always changed to state the obvious. But I think what is what we are finding hard is the rate of change. So this idea that, you know, and I'm going to maybe um, make this sound more simplistic than it is, but, you know, back in the old days, 100 years, 150 years ago, if there was change, you could have written a book over 10 years, you might have reflected on what that meant, that change in society, and you might have come to some conclusions. But we don't live in a world where we've got 10 minutes to think because the world is changing even as we figured something out it's changing again and I think I think the church as a whole this isn't just youth ministry is having to 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 catch up with a world where the 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 where you meet young people how you meet young people the kind of context the space you create for young people is shifting all the time it's no longer fixed for 10 years for 15 years before it needs to to change and i think that is really hard for anybody to cope with and i think the church finds that cope hard to cope with i think the other thing let me just um name check mr saunders uh, and something he just said he's unable to speak at the moment because those peppers are really <laughs> repeating on him quite badly but um but we need we need an army mm, of volunteers yeah. I'm, I'm not sure whether uh uh, a military metaphor is the right one anymore now I've said it but we, we need we need a mass movement of people to recommit themselves to youth ministry we cannot do this on our own and I, I cannot see without, we're not going to have an army of paid youth workers we value everyone we've got mm. but there, are, there is not going to be 50,000 paid youth workers coming over the hill there might be though 50,000 volunteers so we have to we have to build that group again who feel passionate about that and I don't see how we can get much further without those people and their commitment. I love that, the mass movement, yes, Mm. that's a vision we can all get get involved in. So how do people, can can anybody get a hold of Launchpad or we might even have youth workers here saying there's a youth worker in my church but I really want my church leaders to go through something. Okay, there's a couple of things, so this is a project in development first of all, so we are, we are uh, a couple of years down the line and we've been really I hope really thoughtful we're measuring impact 
we are tracking and following what the churches about 40 churches have been through this so it's small but we are tracking what's happening and the signs by the way are really exciting and positive a real real youth ministry happening good grief this is good um, so it's in development. We have got a page up on our website. You can see some videos of some vicars talking about the impact of the course. You can kind of, through the contact link on that web page, probably register interest because we'll note that. And I think in the coming year, as we begin to figure out how to disseminate this, um, we will start trying to take this more broadly. So yeah, register some interest through the website and have a look at the page on the, on the, on the Youthscape website. And just part of that strategy, we talked about volunteer youth workers. I know you can't say very much at the moment, but it's certainly a passion for us at Youthscape to be providing more for the volunteer. I can neither confirm nor deny. No, I can confirm. Yes, um, I think uh, we have been really woken up to the fact yeah. that, that, that volunteers need... Need, tr- need, uh, need training, mm. but they need a different kind of training in lots of ways. First of all, um, they are busy. They can't mm-hmm. take on huge amounts. So where and how do you train volunteers? But also, volunteers are increasingly, if they're running youth ministry, likely to be bumping into young people with mental health challenges. And you know, there's so many things you need to be aware of. So yes, we are committed at Youthscape to developing and launching uh, a brand new program, We're working in partnership with the Methodist Church across the whole country and here in, in Bedfordshire, but launching a brand new, um, I think, uh, hopefully a, a totally innovative way to train and equip volunteers in churches to do the work that we want them to do. So well, isn't that just about the most exciting footnote we've ever had on the Youthgate yes, podcast? Yes, that, yes, yes. that is like a one more thing from an Apple... Uh, oh, you know the way to my heart. I taught the language. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, 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 an Apple event. That's right. They're going under on the Apple. Well, remember you're speaking to the chairperson of the Three Counties Mac user group. I never, ever forget that. <laughs> just, you know, that if on my CV, that's quite a crucial... Is that blank. on your business card? Is that the top thing? Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely. Above CEO of Youthscape. Did we even yeah. tell anyone that you were the CEO of Youthscape? I'm, I'm not sure, sure we even did that. <laughs> no, I think I you just... Everyone, I think just Chris who we went for lunch with. I know. That's terrible. This is our illustrious leader, the CEO of Youthscape, and all-round knowledgeable guy, Mac and who has me regularly in special measures when it comes to anything technology related. I went into the Apple store the other day to get something and the very helpful um, chap, because they are very helpful, said, uh, do you need any help setting this up so you could come to a special session to help you set up? And I was able to say, I think you'll find, sir, young man, I think you'll find I don't need that. (laughs) You're talking to the chair of the... Th- no, I didn't say that. does sound a little bit like the guy with the chilli peppers earlier. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that story ended. <laughs> so I imagine your computer's going to crash very oh, shortly. Yeah. Well, look, thanks oh, yeah. for coming on the podcast, Chris. Oh, it's been so fun. <laughs>